Kyrie Irving officially has opted in to the final year of his contract. Does that mean the Brooklyn Nets should now be swinging bigger in free agency and trying to go all in on the upcoming season? And with further details around the negotiations, is this the best case scenario for Kyrie, for the Brooklyn Nets, for the fan base? We'll break that all down right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, it's the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings, DraftKings, FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbeck, breaking down the New York Football Giants on the One Giant Podcast with my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day, free on all those great platforms. And Doug, now, as we'll... Re- reiterate, I think, some of the details that have come out around the Kyrie Irving negotiations behind the scenes. But now it does feel like the very next question that comes up is, what next for the Brooklyn Nets that you have Kyrie at least involved for the upcoming season? I waited all night and all day for something to do with someone to do a take back, um, just because that feels like the <laughs> just sort of tenor of how the Nets have handled things and how the last few seasons have gone. That even when or just like for say, oh yeah, he opted in because they're already going to facilitate a trade. I just waited all day with something like that to the point where you know we were talking about recording times, and I was like, just wait till the end of the day because <laughs> like I can't do the thing we did yesterday. We we'll just have to do the whole podcast over again if they just change something. So anyway, long story short, it does feel. I still feel like we're catching a fallen knife in some ways with Kyrie, but it's for sure like this conversation is definitely way better than where I thought it was going to be going leading into Thursday and free agency. So from that standpoint, I'm much happier talking about Nets taking big swings around like championship contenders rather than what's a rebuild going to look like. Cause I'm not sure <laughs> I was going to need to go. Like I was going to need to go on some kind of medication or something like that. Like up, up some dosages of things. If, if, we, if we started just doing a year's worth of rebuild stuff, like I'm not sure I could handle it, but uh, no, no, well, happy to be talking about this for sure. Locked on Nets podcast goes on sabbatical. Um, well, Adam Warnberg finds a new co-host because I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know if I'm built for a rebuild. <laughs> like, no, I'm just kidding. I, I would have been here for it. Getting a little too gray in the beard for a full <laughs> rebuild. Um, but in, in that vein, because to your point, like I, I was touching in across social media, like the fan base was not a hundred percent convinced that the opt-in was just the opt-in and that yeah. you could start to think about this season. It was still okay, but that that means, as we said at the end of yesterday's episode, that is also the first step of a sign-in trade, though it looked like the landscape dictated this would be, a in the short term, a Band-Aid and resolution to the situation. That being the case, though, we then found out some reports, an article detailing from Sham Sharania around what was going on behind closed doors between Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Irving's agents, uh, agent, I should say, excuse me, Chitalia Riley Irving and the Nets front office had extensive and productive extension discussions over the past six days with sources on both sides describing good faith negotiations to reach a new deal. The Nets and Irving, the agent, not the player, worked through various proposals, including a two-year max extension that included incentives based on games played as well as a four-year max that included two years guaranteed and triggers for years three and four based on games played in years one and two. 
Irving showed a willingness to accept the incentive-based deal before a final counter was made to the Nets, according to sources a short-term contract extension protecting both sides with a player option. Brooklyn declined. Based on all that information, yep. do you think that this, does that feel like, hey, the Brooklyn Nets came to the table with a very reasonable structure where Kyrie Irving, you still get the max dollars and the max years that you're after. We're just going to build in a little bit of safety for ourselves for ourselves here. Does that feel like Kyrie ultimately maybe was trying to find his way out of here and the fact that they couldn't come to an agreement on what he liked from a term standpoint and you couldn't find a destination and trade partner, that's why we're at the opt-in. Yeah, I think that's why they're there. Like, no no player is going to want to have stipulations put in, around their contract if they think they're a max player. Mm-hmm. And by the way, like the reason a lot of these guys max player are max players, are the very best in the league, is because they wake up every morning firmly believing that, right? Like, and I it's, am the best player. Exa- exactly. Like, even, yeah. even when they're not, like, the mentality is almost dictates that you have to think that way. And it's not like you can just turn it on and turn it off for this, like, situation specific. Be like... Uh, when I'm on the court, I'm the best player. But when it comes to contract negotiations, not so much. Maybe some stipulations will look good. No one wants that stuff put into their contract. So I'm not I'm not surprised that there would have been a balking at that. It's not totally unprecedented to have it in there. It's not normal. It's not like a standard thing all mm-hmm. the time. And again, usually it's around injuries, like a la Joel Embiid, where it's like, hey, we have like major injury concerns. The franchise is completely ruined if it turns out you just can't play after year three or something like that. Usually it's not around what I'll call personality stuff yep. um, like that's new. So I'm not surprised that there was a balking to it, but I'm also not surprised. Like we said yesterday that other teams weren't necessarily beating down the Nets door to do sign and sign and trades for Kyrie Irving for the same reasons that the Nets were maybe hesitant to lock in a really, yep. really long-term max money contract. Like no, this isn't just an Nets thing. The other NBA franchises are going to feel sort of the same wariness around availability and the personality and like Kyrie look he's a really singular personality I'm saying that I'm choosing my words very carefully like with him like he just doesn't he purposely doesn't beat to to everyone else's drummer he'll tell you that every single day um (laughs) which I think like grates some people the wrong way uh sometimes me included like it's just like it's like okay man what are we doing here but the but in the end of the day I'm not surprised that this is sort of how it played out understanding like the entire landscape and sort of how both sides feel yeah, and to, see, to me, I, I won, I think, either one of those options. So especially the idea of, hey, two years max dollars and then based on some incentives kicking in years three and four. You know, that to me feels completely reasonable for the Brooklyn Nets to put on the table. On the other side of it, while maybe a short-term deal would have felt okay for Kyrie or for the Brooklyn Nets, the idea that a counter offer surrounded two years and then a player option well, I, I think I do under, I, I completely understand why Brooklyn would say, yeah, but what happened over those two years that then you're at a point where you get to opt in for a third year that theoretically is going to be somewhere north of the $40, 45000000 million range, right? Like Brooklyn doesn't want to have that without the opportunity to mutually opt in for that third year. Yeah, so I, can I, can I, let me yeah. say something to that real quick. Almost always players opting into the player option is bad for the team. Like that's all. And, right. and all you got to do is just think about this very logically. It's like when a player is opting into the option that they have, it's because they don't feel like they can command that same number, maybe on the open market. Um, like often a player opting into the option is like not really what the team is going to end up wanting. It's more about a player thing, right? That's like the, the player is protecting themselves against some downside risk. And like, you don't have to look very far around some recent player options, John Wall, like 47 million, 
Russell Westbrook, forty-seven million. Like these teams would but love. Give me an example where it didn't work out, Doug. <laughs> like, well, I, I will say that the, the Kyrie one is kind of like the one example where the right. team, I think, was like, hey, this isn't so bad. Right. Like, and that's it, only because yeah. of what the number is. Right. Like the max yeah. dollar number there ends up, you're, you're, you know, thirty six and a half million. We're, t- we're talking about thirty six and a half million dollars. Sure. But that's not a crazy number, especially because the Brooklyn Nets are already financially committed in a way that, as we've always said, you can't just go spend that money. So it, it right. favors them in that sense uh, in both regards. Yeah, and so it's just funny because, like, almost like, just in the old, like, everything about Kyrie is just a little different than everything else. Like, almost be. always with these player options, you'd think, oh, no, like, please don't do it. But, of course, they're going to, and you really always know when it's going to happen. This was the one weird example, again, because nothing can be normal. It's like, oh, that's actually not the worst thing in the world for him to have picked that up because it just kicks the can down the road a little bit. There is some more optionality. We at least know he's coming back for the team. He's not going to go nuclear. Like, all these other things that it signals – it's just not usually how you see the player option role. So I know we're going to get into some big uh, swing big here scenarios around free agency, what the landscape of that looks like as we as uh, Thursday at 6 p.m. really comes barreling down on us. First, got to talk to you about our friends over at Sakara. Look, feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you live a healthy and balanced lifestyle, and you can truly enjoy it. Delicious, plant-rich, transforma- transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living your best body. You have to seek wellness, you're seeking joy, you're seeking abundance in all areas of your life. Sakara helps you get there. Nutrient-dense meals, they have snacks, there's supplements that nourish your body, really everything. Uh, they really have everything under the sun, and you're not sacrificing any taste or quality. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine. That's the thing you're going to start hearing more about, folks, like, like more and more, this food as medicine piece, because it's all sort of intertwined. Sakara is on the cutting edge of this. Uh, they're on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants, gives you the tools you need to transform your life with organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program. Who doesn't love that? Make your meals simple. Simplify this stuff. Make it easy for yourself. Get it going with Sakara now. Sakara is offering our Lockdown listeners 20% off their first order when they go to Sakara.com slash locked on 20 or you can just enter locked on 20 at checkout that's sakara s-a-k-a-r-a dot com slash locked on 20 to get 20 percent off your first order sakara.com slash locked on 20 okay so those uh were the Kyrie irving negotiation details but now the question becomes doug is it time to swing big in brooklyn and i yeah. wanted to frame this i have a specific example in mind and it's something that has been, at least been talked about uh, from a player perspective. It's, it's going to be John Collins, but I want to set the table by saying, so Kyrie Irving opts in for this one year, and we have some negotiation details as well. In my mind, and I'm curious if you agree, I look at it as now, now more than ever, this year becomes the new all-in for the Brooklyn Nets because you're only one year away from, again, being back at the table around an extension discussion, seeing if everyone was healthy, is everybody still committed to this process, or are we potentially breaking this thing up? And I think there is a way that they can both improve their team immediately and and say, not only do we have Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, and Kevin Durant, we're going to double down on making ourselves at the top of the Eastern Conference and NBA title contention again this season and safeguard against what it looks like if some of these pieces are not going to be here long term. 
Yeah, look, I've been, we've been pretty much saying this from the beginning. The Nets, the second they signed Kyrie and Katie, had to be all in throughout this whole thing. You do not get very many bites at this apple. Like we know, the NBA is a fickle place. Look, we uh, take these last forty-eight hours to show you do not know tomorrow if your superstar is going to want to be there. Like you have to do everything once you have these guys. The, the list is so short around who these guys actually are. It is incredibly difficult to win the championship without one of these players, without a Giannis, without a Steph, without a Durant, without a LeBron. The list is very, very short, right? Like once you have these guys under contract, it's almost like your fiduciary duty to, and I never, you know me, Adam, libertarian is the long as the, the long <laughs> as the day is here, but I just, so I'll never stick my hand in pockets. But just if you're going to own a team, you don't, you just, these chances are not going to come around very often. It's not going to be every year that you just have a top five player healthy on your team. Like those are the chances that you have if you're going to spend extra, these are the times. And we've been saying it from the beginning. Sometimes the extra spending to what it's been has been okay. Sometimes not so much. But like Kevin Durant still kind of in-ish, prime-ish. Kyrie Irving, who weirdly doesn't have a ton of miles on him just because of circumstance. Um, and Ben Simmons, who you hope just returns healthy here. It's just like you have to just add every piece that you can at this point. And, and, um, and that's just kind of where I'm going to land on a lot of these things. And I know the fans are too. And we're fans too, but the, like, do you agree with me? Like, this is, you just can't, this can't be penny pinching mode here. Like, I'm sorry, you don't get many chances at this because guess what? Pinch all the pennies you want when you're rebuilding. Like, like, but but then this is the time you have to spend teams that win the championship, go into the tax. It's just a, it's a certainty. Like you have to, you have to go well. And then that's already are, but like you already have to go way into the tax and you have to spend it every chance because that's at this point, that's really the only other way to continue to make sure that you're a championship contender. There you go. Rant over. Perfect. And a lovely one at that. Yes. I a hundred percent. And I think again, like you and I always talk about it too, right? We, we always push back on, on fans that say they had to stop being cheap. Joe Sias to stop being cheap. Yeah. This organization has not been cheap, but one of the things that you can look at over the last couple of off seasons is have they been aggressive enough in the other things that they can pursue and the other options they have to continue to improve this roster. Now, Every season that you look back at, you can give a list of reasons why it was weird and they didn't come to the point of needing to have done something differently until something else fell apart, i.e. James Harden. Well, you try to do the best you can and restructure this thing, but when you're doing it on the fly, it's not as simple as all that. That being the case, the reason why I bring up John Collins, and there's a couple of mechanics to this. You can talk about a bigger NBA narrative that's been going on around the San Antonio Spurs and DeJounte Murray and why he's been attached pretty heavily to the Atlanta Hawks. There is a three-team scenario to this that's pretty straightforward, but even if you just take it on face value, John Collins, it's been for now two seasons that he is not long for the Atlanta Hawks. This is a player who currently comes in on four years remaining. He has... $23.5 23.5 million coming into this season. It never escalates much beyond. I just want to make sure I get the numbers exactly right here. I have it. It's just 25. 26. It's, it, right. it's 25, then 26 and a half, then 26 and a half player option and 25, 26. And you would think that the player option is going to be something he would probably opt out of and try to get a new contract. He's 24 years old, though. John Collins' profile is a two way player that can knock down the perimeter shot can get after the basket, going on fast breaks, move the ball. Like He fits into the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons mold and what you would want to add to them and what the Brooklyn Nets need perfectly. Like, bar none, perfect fit for what they would want to accomplish. It would make them one of the top, if not the top contenders for the NBA championship going into this season. And in the big picture, 
if a year from now Kyrie Irving decides he's ultimately this is a vehicle to get somewhere else, okay, and that ultimately costs you Kevin Durant, you're still going to have a player who's going to be 25 years old along with maybe potentially Ben Simmons who will only be 26 years old that can be the new forming nucleus going forward, regardless of whether or not that's championship caliber or the other pieces around them. This, I think, is a very viable option, and I can go through the mechanics of how they can get it done. That If the Brooklyn Nets aren't in on this, if they're not doing everything possible to accomplish a move like this, then I think it's, to your point, it's a failure of the organization this offseason to do what's necessary to continue to push all in. Yeah, so just real quickly, we're talking about free agency, but like you said, Collins is under contract, so it would it would mean it would mean sending out yes. assets to like be able to facilitate a trade. Um, it's like Collins and the PJ Washington's been another guy that's been like sort of been bandied about in this mm-hmm. like you know small ball five kind of guy, maybe like profiles as a tweener between a small ball five and a traditional power forward. Nets we know have sort of not had a ton of great guys like this. Like they've been short on the wings, and then they have tr- struggled to sort of figure out a functional centerpiece. I'm guessing like something that you want to do is like sign Claxton, like something like Claxton plus Harris or something like that, and like and like what cam thomas i don't know like what what were you like yeah yeah essentially it'd be something around the idea so all the mechanics would be uh atlanta's looking to move off gallinari's money spurs have an interest in him you'd be sending that money out to the spurs sign and trade with claxton put him on to the spurs and then you would have joe harris ending up on the atlanta hawks along with Dejounte murray and then the brooklyn nets can get back uh john collins and maybe potentially a guy like jacob hodel who we've talked about before over the course of this offseason the 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 only one the hold up there is the gallinari moving so if you go over and you work on an NBA trade machine it's about that money coming off yeah and the Gallinari th- I'm pretty sure the, the, the Hawks like in the next day have to make a decision on Gallinari like they can yeah, 21.4 million yeah but they can, but like it's not guaranteed so they can like I think they I'm pretty sure they could get out of that contract yes. for like a limited number so it'll be he's going to be interesting to see if like that's a guy that like ends up like if he, if he hits the open market, if like that's a guy they're interested in, yeah. Look, yeah. On a high and to your level, point, just quickly, uh, yeah, Cam Thomas, if need be, that yes, if you you know if that's what it takes to make this happen, then that's what oh, you go and you, do. I mean, that, I, at this point with Cam Thomas, the way I look at Cam Thomas is if like you somehow could trade Cam Thomas for like a viable NBA player, um, I would just pretty much do it. I like yeah. I, I get that everyone likes Cam and and he showed flashes, but he's not. He's far from untouchable. Uh, yeah, I think it's a long shot, but I do think, and and so I don't think like it's so likely that it happens. I think this, I think bringing up this kind of idea more speaks to like what we want the Nets to be able to do. Like, what are they trying to accomplish? Right? Like, even if it's not John Collins, who I like as a player, you'd be going all offense at that point. Um, like he's much, he's a better offensive player than he is defensive. But that's okay. Like we've seen the Nets be able to like. With these guys, you're basically trying to all offense anything anyway. So, well, and, um, and remember too, and I know, I know, and it's a right point to make. And remember too, like we're predicating this on Ben Simmons being healthy and on the court and being a part of that defensive anchoring of this defense, right? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I, you know, it's funny. I always, I, I do kind of actually forget about him sometimes. What I'm you can't, talking you can't about, not forget about him. Like yeah. you have to forget about him because we haven't seen him, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I kind of like when I think about them as like a defensive unit, I actually do. And I'm just admitting this for everybody. I have just glossed over because I mean, hate to bury the lead here. He's never put on a uniform for the team, so <laughs> right, like right. it's it's hard to have it be your default picture of the team having Ben Simmons causing all this defensive chaos because we just haven't seen it yet. But yes, you're right. Like when when he's there, it does solve some of these other tweener issues around some of guys like this because you are so much more flexible in terms of 
how you can defend when you have that guy. And I need to do probably a better job when I'm formulating a mental picture around what the team looks like uh, to do a better job to remember all the players that are actually on the team uh, <laughs> to, to see what they look like. Yeah, no, I, and we're going to talk more about this in a second uh, because I think this like this does speak to like the larger fundamental idea of how the Nets how we kind of hope the Nets uh, approach free agency. First, going to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. After the Kyrie Irving opt-in, where do you think the Nets are on Bet Online right now for championship odds for next season, Mr. Armbrecht? Seventh. Ah, ye've little faith, fifth. Golden State Warriors plus 525, Clippers 550, Celtics plus 600, Bucks plus 600, Brooklyn Nets plus 700. Then it just drops off the cliff to all these other loser teams. That is what you're <laughs> going to get over at betonline.net. They got you covered all through baseball, all through the offseason with basketball. Obviously, they're crushing it with football, MMA, boxing, and golf on the weekends. Head on over to betonline.net. Use your mobile device to learn all about the trends, all about the actions at betonline, where the game starts. So, yeah, I, I think just quickly to wrap up this conversation around the specific trade and then to your point, the overall narrative of what what we need to feel like the Brooklyn Nets organization is committed to this offseason. Just in, inside of that, if you wanted to put it in, in a lot more maybe simpler, simpler and direct terms, and the reason why it's a little bit trickier is because the Brooklyn Nets don't have a ton of assets, but you could put together a package, by the way, that it was just straight John Collins for Joe Harris and Nicholas Claxton on a sign-and-trade to Atlanta, something that, well, may not be the first thing that Atlanta's looking to do. Getting a defensive-minded, versatile, switching big like Nicholas Claxton is something that would help them. A team that has had a difficult time on the defensive end of the floor might involve something like getting a club option signed off of on Lou Williams and finding him in the backcourt even short-term for the Brooklyn Nets. So that there are one-to-one ways that you can do this. The point being, though, John Collins, players of that caliber that teams are looking to and are willing to move, the Brooklyn Nets have to be in these discussions because we have now seen, through random circumstances and fluky situations, some off-seasons where getting, or even in-season, getting a buyout market Blake Griffin seemed great until the following season when he was getting DNPs. LaMarcus Aldrich, get him, injury, health, retirement, returns, doesn't have a lot of value for you. Big swings and misses on Paul Millsap. The confusion around Bruce Brown before he refigured out what his value was to this team. To say nothing of James Johnson and everything else that's gone on, it has been too volatile in the off-seasons putting in pieces around the key players that you have on this roster. And that is a criticism that's completely fair on Sean Marks and the Nets. You, you know what you have in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and even if you don't only theoretically know what you have in Ben Simmons, you know what the skill sets are there. You need to be able to, with a with pretty high level of certainty, fill out the roster around them. And if it means one big player as opposed to multiple smaller pieces, so be it. But something has to get done here. Yeah, look, we've seen it's all well and good to get the 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 veterans on veteran minimums and the guys who you know were future, former All Stars and guys like that. But we've seen it has such a shelf life that. And the shelf life doesn't make make it all the way to the playoffs. That's six <laughs> like, <months>. like it just <laughs> four and a half five months. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's all good. And there's a reason these guys are on veteran minimums. And I get that. Like at some point, you just need to fill out your roster with these guys. But we just seen that it's just also not a functional way to get all the way to the finish line either. Like you need your core to just be 
a little bit more viable. Now, the Nets are very close to having that now because when you do look at the, the top three guys in Durant, Ky- Kyrie, and you know, assuming a ben, healthy Ben Simmons, plus a, a hopefully healthy Joe Harris, who they desperately needed last season, yep. um, and Seth Curry, uh, you know, obviously for what he brings, we'll see what happens with Patty Mills. You know, I'm listing a lot of guys that there's not a ton of size there. And then the, the size kind of runs out. Like they need to have a little more size and you would like it to not be so long in the tooth that you, that you just know you can't play them. Like Blake, I, it was great for those couple minutes where it looked like he turned back the clock, but it just didn't work. Like Aldridge was completely buried. You know, maybe you think Claxton fills in that thing, but yeah, no, at some point you just, it has to be, it does have to be a little younger because when it t- you get to the end of the season, it just doesn't work anymore. And so, yeah, I think I, I'm totally with you on that point because I think they've gotten as far as they can get with these, like the Paul Millsaps and the James Johnsons and all these other guys, because that, that just didn't really work, right? <laughs> like we wanted it to work. I think it seemed good in some weird theory that it was going to be viable and it just hasn't been. So I'm all for being in on these conversations where the bodies are just at least younger, <laughs> right? And, and the, because, yeah. The other part of it is too, because so even a guy on the back end of last season, like Goran Dragic, who now you're hearing a lot of rumors and speculations that it may all but be done, uh, that he's going to join Luca in Dallas and be this veteran support system for him, which is very good for Dallas. Not so great for the Brooklyn Nets. And yet, we, we still have that question of, I mean, is Goran Dragic a, a guy you want to go into the season relying heavily on for whatever his role is going to be? No. The other part, uh, yeah, short answer, no. Well, by the way, real quick, before you get to the next thing, just just to put a cap on this, I, and I should have said this, like we saw Patty Mills like sort of like get ground down a little bit last year. like and, and I guess some of it was just regression off of him running hot, but he also played his most minutes in his highest age season. Like that's just and not this is, gun. No, and and th- and this is what the problem is because then what ends up happening too. So it's it's the the age and the rundown there, and then in a Patty Mills situation, it's and also he's undersized, and even when he's out there, he, there's a liability there based on everything else that exists on the roster, and then even regardless of age or not. The piece around Nicholas Claxton, it's still going to come back to. And remember, this guy's not shooting for you when he's out there on the floor, right? When it comes to Joe Harris, it's not as detrimental, but you still go, and this guy's a bit of a lead-footed defender who's also relatively undersized because of the assignments you're going to put him up against based on the other players on your roster. So, again, the, the balance of a little bit of crossover, and we talk about versatility with certain players, you need a little bit of more, little bit, a little bit of more of that. <laughs> you need more of that. And again, since we're using John Collins as the example, to your point, is he the perfect defensive player? No, but guess what? He's three inches, three inches taller than Joe Harris. So even just from a size standpoint alone, it holds up better on that end. And the trickle-down effect of him or otherwise on the market is how does it benefit Kevin Durant, specifically Kevin Durant? Because now you have size in Ben Simmons. So if you can add another bit of length and size around them, Kevin Durant is in this positionless, positionless basketball picking up the three. You know, that's what that's where you can end up getting him into a far more beneficial spot than we saw what was happening against the Boston Celtics in that first round series, right? So you you have to be thinking about the totality of how do we surround the best talent around our superstars to benefit us on a game-to-game basis? And how do we also give ourselves a little bit of flexibility around not having Kevin Durant at 35 going to be 30, 34, going to be 35 years old, having to run out for 40 plus minutes? Like these are things that you've now gotten a sample size in all these completely insane seasons for Brooklyn. You now have a sample size around things that you want to hopefully avoid going forward. And and that's where I 
it's weird to say it's not a full blow-up option, but as we'll come back in next episode, Nicholas Claxton, re-signing and retaining versus utilizing. You mentioned Cam Thomas, talented young player, but totally worth facilitating. Bruce Brown, letting him walk, right? Like, so many things, I think, are on these. It's like those old-school basketball training videos. Everyone's on a rope, and they're all tied to one another, and everything has to be moving in a synchronized fashion. Otherwise, I think we're going to end up with these past two years of, regardless of health for the Stars, parts and pieces that don't entirely fit in together successfully. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I I would just say the quick counter to that is like I just said before that like you know if Simmons plays last season and Joe Harris is healthy like I think we are still having a very different conversation even about the end mm-hmm. of the year team right because it ends right, up being his like defensive those two deficiencies guys are more balanced. ended up being the exact two kind of guys they needed right late yep. late. Yeah, exactly. Like when they were searching for a little bit more length on the perimeter to defend and when they were searching for a little bit more floor spacing, like those guys legit, that's their exact thing that they do. So there's a part of me that wonders if the same way that I forgot about Ben Simmons here (laughs) for briefly, if like sometimes we just underrate that like a lot of the moves the Nets have are just stuff that's already there for them. They just need to have them come back and be available, right? Like more than just anything else. And I'm still would take John Collins also. Well, right, and, and, and my it's like and my pushback to your pushback <laughs> would be the uncertainty of those players, right? Like that's what I think you're trying to safeguard against. Which, yes. by the way, John Collins has has had injuries as well, but that's what you're trying to safeguard of saying if everybody comes back healthy, we'll be in a great spot. And you go, yes. The only problem is we haven't seen that occur yet, right? So, and listen, that that's the coin yep. flip of of the NBA and of sports. But if you can find a way to put some younger pieces that have a lower percentage injury risk and a higher long term upside, you got to take those swings. So we're, we are we are in 100%. it, man. I I want information in these next two days that the Brooklyn Nets are trying to make a significant move of some kind. Yeah, and I think there's also even if short of that, like uh, there's some some interesting stuff came out of the Clippers uh, over the last couple of days. Um, they yep. re-signed Avika Zubac and they signed John Collins, John Collins, John Wall. <laughs> but while those two moves don't like really help the Nets necessarily, it might actually free up a guy like Isaiah Hartenstein because if they br- considering they brought in Wall on the exception, um, like a guy like Hartenstein actually. Uh, is something I want to maybe just briefly talk about tomorrow because I think there's actually like a real world where that is a guy that the Nets could think about. Anyway, we're, we're going to run off. We'll save it. We're going we're gonna to talk about it tomorrow. Um, yeah, I know. We're itching. The free agency is awesome, man. Um, it makes it a lot easier knowing what Kyrie's doing, hopefully. Fingers crossed on that one. Um, we are going to be back again tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable day of downloads and YouTube views today. So really uh, appreciative. Everyone seemed pretty happy with uh, the Kyrie Irving opted into that player option that showed through in the numbers. Much appreciated. Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube and uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I was miming on YouTube. No quote. We'll see you tomorrow for a great off-season discussion. <laughs> oh, well, one of the, Adam Arbor, one of the all-time great poets. We will be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.